0: Welcome to the Natural Capital series as part of Fast Sounds, where we will explore different natural capital assets and their value to Scottish agriculture and the rural economy, including opportunities and risks for the future. I'm Rachel Smiley, the host of the series. Producer is Ian Boyd, as part of the Farm Advisory Service in association with the Scottish Government. Over the next few episodes I will be joined by a wide range of farmers and experts to discuss and debate a variety of natural capital resources important to Scotland, including topics on Scotland's rainforests, peatlands, water, arable and finance. So lots of great content to cover over the next few months. This is our first episode of the series and in this introductory episode we are joined by Dr Hannah Rudman we will be breaking down what natural capital is and why the farming community should be interested. Dr Hannah Rudman is co-director of the Thriving Natural Capital Challenge Centre at SRUC. Her work focuses on digital and data innovations and how they can help the natural economy sector address the grand challenges of climate change, food safety and security and loss of biodiversity. Welcome Hannah, it's great to have you on the Natural Capital podcast interest in bio and a range of really important issues you work on. Would you like to expand on any of the points?
1: Yeah thanks Rachel, it's great to be here, thanks for the invitation. I'm also convener of Trustablecredit.com, and that's an ad hocracy creating international and open standardized processes for digital devices and their data that might measure carbon sequestration or biodiversity and nature improvements. And uh, I'm also on the executive management team of Agrometrics, which is a UK agritech centre. And I'm an expert evaluator for the European Commission's Research Executive Agency. And the final thing that I wanted to mention is that I'm also co-leader of the Scottish Nature Finance Pioneers Group, and that's a network of over 250 organisations from farm to finance that work together on developing natural capital projects and learn as well, about natural capital. So I'll be sharing uh, this podcast on uh, that network. But if you would like to join that group, then do email me, hannah.rudman at siuc.ac.uk. In this episode, we wanted to introduce
0: the topic of natural capital and why it is important. This is episode one of a six-part series on Fast Sounds and we will discuss what it's going to be covered over the next few months. Remember to like, follow, and subscribe to listen to all the episodes in the series. Natural capital, it's a term that we are hearing more and more of. What is it, and where does it, the term natural capital come from? Is it something that farmers would know by a different name or terminology?
1: Well, the natural capital metaphor was actually first used in the 1970s by an economist, and then it subsequently formed part of the Forum for the Futures, Five Capital Models of Sustainable Development. I mean, the Scottish Forum on Natural Capital defines the term as renewable and non-renewable stocks of natural assets, including geology and landscapes, soil, air, water and all living things so that means species and communities i.e. us that combine to yield a flow of benefits to people so it's a concept that enables us to think of our natural environment as an asset and that asset provides ecosystem services beneficial to our society and economy now some of these like food private goods because individuals can own and profit from them. Some of them are public goods like climate change mitigation and they're obviously available to anyone and society benefits rather than individuals. Now many businesses rely on natural capital and ecosystem services and they'll invest in nature to protect their private goods. So for example agriculture production leads to private goods, the harvest for the producer but whilst it's doing that it generates some environmental costs such as its carbon footprint and funding from either public or private sources might be offered to farmers to encourage more sustainable practices that create those public goods that primarily benefit the public over the longer term rather than providing just short-term private benefits. How does natural capital intersect
0: with farming policy and national climate change and biodiversity targets?
1: That's a great question because I think nature provides critical societal benefits to individuals and communities around the world. And really, what is it? It's a combination of soils, species, communities, habitats and landscapes, and they provide ecosystem services. Those ecosystem services give us food and water that keep us and other species alive. They help with uh, carbon sequestration, carbon capture and removal, and they offer protection from soil erosion and flood risk and habitats for wildlife and pollinators and spaces for recreation and well-being. So if we view nature as natural capital, recognising the true value of nature's assets, then natural capital becomes an economic asset that businesses need to pay fairly for and that we invest in. To ensure that natural stock isn't driven below critical thresholds and to ensure that assets can regenerate. So, in fact, a major survey of farmers' attitudes to changes in the government's agricultural policy, um, and this was a survey in England, so it showed that English farmers recognise the need for the environment and animal welfare to be prioritised in future government policy, and we're seeing that. And it acknowledged that link between a thriving natural world and successful farming. So 80% of the, the survey respondents believed that the health of the natural environment, natural capital, is important or very important for their farm business. And In Scotland, we've currently got an Agriculture Reform Implementation Oversight Board, a catchy name there, uh, but we can shorten it to ARIOB. And that's been established to support the implementation of policy reform and is really about incorporating recommendations from farmer-led groups around topics such as cutting emissions across agriculture and supporting the production of sustainable, high-quality food and addressing those twin crises of climate and loss of biodiversity. So because the common agriculture payment scheme is being replaced and the work is being done at the moment on testing uh, new schemes then that consultation um, and that work of Ariob is kind of moving as towards a future agriculture bill and that will probably be uh, announced and consulted on uh, later this year But it will ensure that farmers are supported to restore and protect natural capital at the same time as generating the uh, food products that we need. And you've
0: mentioned ecosystem services. It's another phrase that's being used nowadays. What is the relationship between natural capital and ecosystem
1: services? So, human capital, manufactured capital, which includes the built environment and financial capital, the capitals that are routinely considered in financial and management decisions. The natural capital concept is a means, really, to get due recognition for the environment and the way that its assets underpins all economic activity. So the aim is to ensure that we maintain not only the flow of benefits that the environment provides, those ecosystem services, but also its capacity to yield those benefits. So that's your natural capital stocks. So ecosystem markets pay for public goods and they may also provide some direct private benefits to investors. So let's visualise a landscape. This is a good podcast exercise where you can close your eyes and use your own imagination. And let's visualise a hill going down to the sea and a river wiggling down the hillside. There's an upland farm above a village around the shore and there's a mussel farm in the foreshores of the sea. Now on the edge of the village, a water company has got a treatment centre and on the top of the hill, there's a peat bog. So now we've imagined that we can probably think of quite a lot of places uh, like this in Scotland. So the ecosystem services here are where local trades are made for ecosystem improvements, which the community and businesses that use the local natural resources, the natural capital, agree and benefit from. So our visualisation, let's say that the water company invests in upland peatland restoration they've done that for their own private benefit because it improves water quality but it also has a public benefit because that reduces the flood risk for the residents and the businesses uh, further down the hill and it reduces the water treatment costs that the water company has to pay in their treatment centre. And that also benefits the mussel farming company because they get better quality water at the end of that downstream flow. So we've got public good activities resulting in public and private benefits. And in ecosystem markets, the private beneficiary, the water company, would pay for that peatland restoration project. And the mussel farm would pay the farmer upstream to practice sustainable and regenerative agriculture and not use pesticides so that the water that they use stays pure.
0: That was a really nice visualisation and you can see that in Scotland quite often and I don't think that farmers might not realise that their peatland is providing those services of water purification to further down the hill and providing those benefits to other people who share land in the catchment. When we're talking about the natural capital approach, a lot of government policies and a lot of land use plans are talking about implementing a natural capital approach and everything that they do. But how can this be implemented at different farm scales and business types?
1: I think if farmers don't take a natural capital approach, that's quite a lot of unrecognized and overlooked value in their farmland, both in terms of the natural capital it supports and the ecosystem services and benefits that flow from it. So quantifying a farm's natural capital, including biodiversity of habitats and species and the service flows that come from them mean that a farm can be understood as a range of natural capital business models, which complement the traditional farm business models. So a natural capital approach explicitly recognizes the value of natural capital. And tracking the value of those over time in natural capital accounts can be a useful tool for Farms of any uh, type and any scale. And it's also useful to policymakers as well because uh, natural capital accounts can help inform not just the farm's decision making and planning, but it can help the policymakers develop the right incentives to protect and restore nature on farmland. Interesting when you say the natural capital accounting.
0: You recently did a great video for FAS on the Bunloit estate that spoke about how collecting the data, like a baseline survey using the different methodologies of biodiversity and carbon as well. Do you want to just expand a little on that?
1: Yeah, so that's a nature regeneration project and it's secured private natural capital investment from high net worth investors and they're investing in restoring the estate. So Jeremy uh, Leggett is one of SIUC's entrepreneurs in residence and has bought the estate that we're talking about, Bunloit, on the edge of Loch Ness. And last year, I made a film with the Bunloit team about how they were measuring the estate's natural capital baseline, um, just beginning to do that natural capital accounting. And it's a really important data set for them to have because it enables future measuring to show the comparison against the baseline, the improvement created by the investment in regenerative activities. And Jeremy's Recently invested in another estate since and has formed a new business, which is called Highlands Rewilding Limited. And the company aims to rewild and repeople the Scottish Highlands by increasing carbon sequestration, growing biodiversity, and creating new green jobs and generating sustainable profit. But that profit obviously has a purpose and by managing land in this way highlands rewildings aiming to become a world leader in accelerating nature based solutions that help fight those existential and related crises of climate emergency and biodiversity collapse as well as addressing the social inequality that we get with local rural economies So land is being managed to facilitate the measurable increases in biodiversity and carbon sequestration um, and being done in a way that enables ethical levels of profit for the private investors, but also enables community involvement and some new green jobs in rewilding.
0: They really are doing some great stuff and I think that's something that most of the rural businesses and from farms to a state level can do is taking baseline measurements of their land using such tools that have been carried out in that video. You can watch Hannah's video on natural capital at to state a case study about the reasons for measuring the baseline of natural capital in a landscape and the practicalities of doing it on the Farm Advisory Service website. A link will also be available in the show notes. So far, we've spoke about rural businesses that have natural capital and measuring baselines, but can natural capital be created? And if so, what types?
1: Natural capital refers to elements of the natural environment, which provide those goods and services to people But a woodland can be regarded as a natural capital asset because from that woodland flows valuable benefits, those ecosystem services, such as flood risk reduction, such as carbon capture. And that's why we've seen land price uh, hikes in Scotland, a real escalation in land prices, because investors want to buy land to make new assets, natural assets, such as forests. So natural capital composed of those many different sorts of things, soils, wetlands, green spaces, hedgerows, and so on. So yes, there's a great kind of hunger to create natural capital at the moment. And I suppose really it's quite closely related to the concept of green infrastructure as well and that focuses on the idea that natural features should be planned and managed as networks that deliver value for for people and society. So it's a big kind of topic at the middle of policy debate at the moment. The Scottish Government has just recently announced its interim principles for responsible investment in natural capital, because, you know, it's not good for Scotland if our land is so expensive that no one in Scotland can afford to buy it anymore. So the government is intervening at the moment. The other thing that's happened is that there are a number of biodiversity strategies announced lately. The EU biodiversity strategy is very explicit. It says the EU's natural capital will be protected, valued and appropriately restored by 2050. So given that uh, farmers are responsible for so much of the UK's land management, they're on the front line. Um, And Scottish Biodiversity Strategy has just been published uh, last month, and that's currently under consultation. And it follows suit from what the EU strategy says. But do make your voices heard on that. We've got a far more kind of positive attitude and approach now to natural capital. It is becoming integrated international policies and it will allow farmers, ecologists and the wider community to work together to make more sustainable practices the norm, I think. And we'll be able to illustrate how simple changes in farm management practice and adjustments regarding land use or pesticide use or hedge cutting practices or whatever can be of enormous short term and long term benefit for the planet, with the potential for economic advantages for the farmer too.
0: What advice would you give to farmers just now? As you said, there's a lot of strategies coming out in in Scotland in particular, they hold most of the land, so a lot is being asked of them. What should they be doing and how should they be getting started?
1: Yeah, so the services nature provides are really widespread and it's important that we do get to that stage where society kind of recognises them almost without thinking. So farmers need to get comfortable with this concept and learn through podcasts like this. But we must start accounting for the natural capital that farm businesses have now and the economic and environmental and social value that could emerge from improving and restoring the natural capital on farms. So my advice is start your natural capital account now, survey and measure the baseline of what stocks and flows of natural capital you have and work out if you can contribute to local ecosystem services and get local supply chains and communities aware of your farm business's potential to positively impact.
0: When you say a baseline survey, over what period of time should farmers be taking a baseline survey? It's not just a one day look at their land.
1: What's the period of time that they should be taking the surveys? So it's important to get a baseline survey of what the state of natural capital is on a farm at the beginning of any regenerative activity. So take those baseline surveys now, do them this year, get the idea uh, of where your natural capital account is at this point in time. Because what will be done in the future is the same measurements will be taken again and that will be compared against the baseline measurement to show the improvement, which then means that a farmer might get paid for improving and regenerating those natural capital services.
0: What is really exciting you at the moment in the natural capital? It could be policy or
1: finance and is there anything coming on the horizon? Well for me uh, just kind of continuing what we we talked about before the Highlands Rewilding project is really exciting. This year it's going to open up to any citizen who wants to be a shareholder So any of us, me or you, Rachel, could become shareholders in Highlands Rewilding. We could become a co-owner of Rewilding Land, and that's going to be established through a crowdfunding campaign that uh, Highlands Rewilding is launching later this year. And I've got some exciting news as well in that I've been invited to become a board member of the company which will mean that I officially am ensuring that the governance of this new type of business is good for the planet and for people and uh, making sure that Highlands Rewilding is accountable and transparent and doing things fairly and responsibly and ethically. So for me, that's just an example of one business that is offering a really exciting opportunity and some new business models that will enable natural capital to thrive if you're interested then do check out the website and sign up to get the news from highlandsrewilding.co.uk
0: thank you yeah that is exciting that you're going to be involved in the Highland Rewilding it does look a really interesting project what you said there Hannah on ethical and making sure these natural capital projects are sustainable and responsible this is something that we'll be covering in more detail in future episodes such as in episode three on peatland where we'll be discussing the peatland code and episode six on green finance with your colleague at the thriving natural capital challenge center i'd just like to say thanks again for coming on to the podcast episode today thank you Thank you for joining us on this Natural Capital episode. If you have enjoyed listening, please like, subscribe and follow our podcast wherever you normally get your podcasts from. Leave us a review to let us know how we're doing and if you'd like to get in touch, you can find all of our contact details in the show notes below. You may also enjoy some of the other shows such as Stop Talk, Cropcast or Thrill of the Hill and a whole range of other podcasts available on the Fast Sounds page and Farm Advisory Service website. Join us again for our second episode on the 13th of September, where we will be looking at and discussing Scotland's rainforests.
1: The Farm Advisory Service Podcast. Audio advice on livestock, crops and soils, environment, rural business and more. Brought to you in association with the Scottish Government.